My name is Stephen Massey, and uh, I've been involved with the youth ministry here for the last five years, and uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure uh, to be welcomed back uh, by the leadership and by Sean, because uh, he's on vacation in Florida, uh, where it is not snowing. So, yeah, that's all right, though. He deserves a vacation. Um, so I am going to be preaching from the Old Testament today, but I want to start off with a story. Um, at my other church, my home church, Lincoln Street Christian Church, I got done preaching one Sunday, and one of my students cornered me, and she said, Stephen, we got to talk. Okay. And she said, I'm tired of hearing sermons from the New Testament. And I said, okay. And she said, no, seriously. She said, I love the New Testament. We're New Testament people. Uh, we hang our hats on the promises of Jesus Christ, but there's a whole other half to the story that needs to be told. And I was like, okay, you got me. And so I worked on the sermon for like a month. And uh, when I got up to preach it, I looked out in the audience and she was not there. <laughs> so you guys get to reap the benefits today. When I, whenever I get to, uh, the opportunity to preach, I like to start off with just the big idea, like what I think this passage is trying to communicate what God is speaking uh, and saying uh, to the Israelites and also to us today. So the big idea for the, for the passage today is God keeps his promises made to his people. God keeps his promises made to his people. Uh, I've seen it personally in my life. God has kept his promises, even in the darkest hours. I've seen him do amazing things. And I'm sure that if we had time, like you guys would share your stories and you also have seen just God keep his promises and come through in some Incredible situations. Uh, does anybody here watch The Walking Dead? A couple people? Okay. Uh, so for those uh, 50, 60 of you who don't, uh, let me tell you what it is. I don't, I'm just guessing. I don't do numbers. That's why I went to Bible college. Um, so The Walking Dead is a TV show about a group of survivors who are trying to put the pieces of their life back together after surviving the zombie apocalypse. And every episode is just this massive struggle to uh, find food and water and protection and shelter. But like, okay, but there's always ammo. Like, I don't understand that. Like, you can't go to a tree and pick an apple, all right? But you look on the ground and there's like a machine gun laying there. I don't understand how that works, but whatever. Um, and so, but that's what they, you know, and so they're trying to survive uh, while they're, you know, being attacked by zombies. And pretty early on in the show they learn that there is a virus that everyone is infected with. They've been breathing it in for who knows how long. And uh, they learn that once they die, then their bodies will be reanimated. But while they are living, while they are walking, the virus is killing them from the inside. And so the name of the show, The Walking Dead, is not just about the zombies. It's about the people. They are the walking dead. They are moving walking, living, but inside they are dying. And this made me think about Israel, God's people, who felt like the walking dead when they were taken into captivity again. And so uh, what happened was uh, King David's son, Solomon, had died, and his son Rehoboam uh, took his place. 
And that was like a big deal. Nobody was, nobody was happy with that. And so it caused Israel to split into the northern and the southern kingdoms. Now, the southern kingdom, Judah, was eventually, uh, they went to war and they were taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, the guy with the statue and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shackrach, Benny, for the VeggieTale people. I don't know. It's been a while since I watched VeggieTales. But um, so King Nebuchadnezzar uh, took them. He conquered them and, and he stripped them of everything. He stripped them of their identity. You can't pray. You can't do this. Like, you, you are us now. Like you, you leave all of that behind. And so to be in captivity was like being dead for the Israelites. And in the midst of this, uh, God allowed, uh, protected Ezekiel, the priest. And he was taken into captivity as well. And Ezekiel uh, would go outside of the city and he would preach. And uh, God would speak to him and give him like, like the book of Ezekiel is weird. I'm just going to say it. It's weird. Like Revelation weird. Um, and like this is creatures and all kinds of stuff. And Ezekiel had to like preach this word to the people. And so he would use object lessons. He would, you know, wear a belt or a sash or he would dig a ditch or he would break sticks. Uh, whatever, whatever he could do to communicate God's word. And I appreciate that because, you know, sometimes this doesn't work. So I need someone to show me, you know, with an object lesson. So that's what he was doing. And so our message today comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. And it's probably like the most, even if you've never read the Old Testament, even if you've never heard of Ezekiel, you probably have heard of Ezekiel and the dry bones. All right. Um, there's a Sunday school song. Ezekiel had them dry bones. Like, I'm not going to sing it, but, um, but that's, that's probably what, what we are most familiar with. And so we're going to jump into that passage. Um, and we're going to look at the stark vision that God gave to Ezekiel, but a dark vision with a promise. And we'll learn that God keeps his promises made to his people. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. So the vision starts with Ezekiel, the priest, walking amongst bones. Um, in the Old Testament, priests couldn't be around dead things that would make them ceremonially unclean. And so Ezekiel, in this vision, uh, winds up in a pile of bones, and he immediately is like, ha, ha, I can't. And God's like, eh, forget about that, you know. The, Walk with me, talk with me, just like the hymn. Walk with me, talk with me. And so he takes him through the valley. And these bones aren't just a few bones. Like, this is a valley. This is a vast army. And they've been there for so long that they're dry and brittle. And this, this messed with Ezekiel's mind. Because uh, Israel, the Jews, had a very specific way of burying their dead. They would take the body. They would uh, you know, put spices uh, on them and wrap them up. And they would put them away in a tomb. Does it sound familiar? And after a certain amount of time, they would come back and they would take the bones. And then in their, um, 
in the tomb, they would put them in the middle of the, the floor. There was a, a, a pit, an ossuary. Yeah, I think it's what it's called. But, uh, but it was all their ancestors were here. They, they would lie with their ancestors. And the, the idea was that when the Messiah returns at, at the resurrection, all of the family will rise together. So this isn't just a reunion of God and man, but it's a, a family reunion as well. And so, you know, death was scary, but, you know, they looked forward to the day when they would be together again. This isn't what Ezekiel sees. These aren't blessed people. These are cursed people. Slain and left to die and to rot. And God asks him, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel gives the only appropriate answer. Only you know. Only you can know that. The vision continues in verse 4. He said to me, prophesy. To these bones and say to them dry bones hear the word of the Lord this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones I will make breath enter you and you will come to life I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin I will put my breath in you and you will come to life then you will know that I am the Lord so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying there was a noise a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no life in them. So God tells Ezekiel, he says, all right, now that you've walked with me and talked with me, start, start talking to these bones. And, and he says, you know, prophesy, but like in this context, He's not like saying, predict to these bones. Like, prophecy isn't always prediction. He's saying, preach my word, communicate my word to these bones. And Ezekiel is like, well, they're dead. You know, like, like, like I've preached in front of some dead audiences before. Okay, but this, this is ridiculous. But, uh, but I think this just goes to show you that, like, the word of God never comes back void. Like, it's always living and active. It's always moving and, uh, and piercing us to the heart, cutting us to the quick. So he begins to preach to these bones. And as he does, this, this quiet, dark valley suddenly begins to, to rattle. And, and suddenly the, the bones snap to, I mean, like transformers, just like assembling. And they grow flesh and blood. And now he's not standing in, in a valley full of bones. He's standing in a valley full of corpses. Because even though they have flesh and blood, there's no life in them. There's nothing. And so he continues in verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. So we're in the Old Testament. We've got to have our ear open to the Old Testament. And what this sounds kind of like is creation. This sounds like God creating man, God uh, forming man and then breathing life into him. 
the breath of life, the spirit of God. It reminds me also of uh, one of my favorite books, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Anybody read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Okay. Uh, for those of you who have not, that's your New Year's resolution. It's like 200 pages, super short. Or watch the movie. The movie's good too. Um, but you'll get more out of the book, I promise. I just, I say that because I like to read books a lot, but whatever. And so, but there's a scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where um, the, uh, the, the, the people of Narnia, well, they're not people, they're creatures. The, the fawns and the elves and the foxes and the centaurs and the giants, they're all living in peace and harmony. And uh, one day the white witch show, just rolls in and just like takes over. And uh, she starts turning people into stone if they don't listen to her. And she makes it, you know, winter. Always winter. Never Christmas. Uh, so basically she turned it into Northwest Indiana. And it's miserable. And everybody's unhappy. All right? But near the end of the book, Aslan shows up. Aslan, who is a Christ figure in the book, who represents Jesus, shows up. And he's having none of this. So he rolls into the white witch's uh, castle, goes into the courtyard, and it's just full of stone people, full of stone centaurs and foxes and elves and uh, giants. And uh, what he does, he, he walks over to every single stone statue and <sighs> breathes on them. And very slowly, the stone falls away and life enters into these dead bodies and they're revived like this is what is happening god is going to breathe life back into his creation it's interesting to me that uh this the hebrew word for for wind and breath and spirit it's all the same word it's all the same word God's spirit is just moving and, and blowing through and just coming down on people. It's just, I mean, he's busy. He's working. He's got so many things to do to bring life back to these dry bones. And by the end of this vision, Ezekiel is standing not in a valley of dry bones, not in a valley of corpses, but in a valley full of people who have been revived by God's spirit. And then God does something, I think, convenient. Uh, he interprets the vision. He interprets the vision for Ezekiel and, and, I mean, kind of for us too, so we can understand. So I want to read the interpretation that God offers to Ezekiel in verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up. And our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord and that I, I, I have done it. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. 
So here are, here are three things that God tells us in this vision. These are promises to the nation of Israel who have turned their back on God. And he speaks to Ezekiel and he says, this is what this means. This is what I desire for my people. Number one, God will remember his people. Even when the Israelites turn their back on him, God will remember his people. When they stray so far away from him, God remembered his people. I mean, he's, he's done so much for them. He, he brought them out of Egypt. You know, he, he parted the sea for them. He gave them water from a rock, manna from heaven. He gave them their own land to occupy. He gave them the law. He gave them the tabernacle. He gave them everything that they needed. God will remember his people. Number two, God will revive his people. He will revive his people. Now Judah was to undergo this spiritual overhaul. And God would rescue his people from death-like captivity. By opening up the grave, by opening up the gates of Babylon and letting them free. He would breathe new life into them by pouring his spirit on them. And number three, God will restore his people. In, uh, excuse me, in 539 BC, Cyrus, the Persian king, overthrew Nebuchadnezzar and conquered Babylon. And then he allowed Israelites to go home. He allowed the Israelites to go home, and not just go home, but to go back and build their temple, which is huge. I mean, this the temple is everything. The temple is where they made sacrifices. It's where they, they learned. It's where they worshiped. It, it's where they met God. It's where God spoke to them. And so in essence, they, they gained their identity back. They gained their life back by being set free. And it's just crazy that God just used something so far out of left field to accomplish his will and to keep his promises. But that's just how God works. Sometimes he does things that uh, we didn't see coming. And so Israel goes back. They're free and they go back, praising God, because God keeps his promises made to his people. We see that all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament. I mean, God promises uh, Abraham that his descendants will be as numerous as the grains of sand on the beach. And, and it did. He, it happened. God promised Rahab, the prostitute, that she and her family would be spared from destruction because of her faith. And it happened. You know, God uh, promised David that the Messiah would come through his bloodline. And it happened. And then Jesus shows up. And Jesus continues to, to, pro, to make promises. You know, he says, you know, uh, repent, be baptized. You know, follow me. I will show you great things. You'll do more than I could ask or imagine. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. God still keeps his promises. And you know what? God's going to keep making his promises and keeping his promises all the way up to the day that he returns. But until then, we're here. 
And those of us who have the Spirit of God in us, who hang our hats on the promises of God, we have an opportunity, we have a privilege to go share this good news with people. The people in our homes, the people in our, our schools, the people at work, everywhere. Because without God's promises, without God's Spirit, we're just the walking dead. <laughs>